Hey, J.Crew, this is Mark. I'm uh, here to wish you a happy Hanukkah, but also to send you a special little mini-sode between our regular episodes. You may remember that last April I wrote a piece for the New York Times on whether you can use the word Jew as a noun, like, hey, what are you? I'm a Jew. We tend to say Jew-ish, the adjective. Anyway, uh, Brooke Gladstone of WNYC's On the Media invited me onto her podcast to talk about the use of that word. Well, flash forward about six months, eight months, and Kayla Moore, the wife of Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore, has that great line in which she defends her husband against charges of anti-Semitism by saying, one of our attorneys is a Jew, and all of us kind of cringed. Well, Brooke Gladstone invited me back on, on the media to talk about that. And this episode was even better because not only did we cover some of the old ground and play snippets of the last time I was on on the media, but we also talked about the proper spelling of Hanukkah, and we listened to some music from hip-hop artists rapping about their Jew lawyers, <laughs> and then we heard some Pete Seeger doing Hanukkah o Hanukkah in Yiddish, Hanukkah oi Hanukkah. Anyway, it's a terrific episode. It's a bonus for you. Have a listen, and I'll be back at the end with a few more things to tell you uh, in this Hanukkah season. divisive Alabama election is over, and amid multiple allegations of sexual assault and an appalling record on racism and anti-Semitism, Roy Moore nearly won. But he didn't. In a campaign rally on Monday night, Kayla Moore came to her husband's defense in a memorable way. Fake news would tell you that we don't care for Jews. I just want to set the record straight while they're here. One of our attorneys is a Jew. We have very close friends that are Jewish and rabbis, and we also fellowship with them. We'll return to the Kayla Moore moment. But first, if the way she said Jew made you uncomfortable, you're not alone. Back in April, we spoke with Mark Oppenheimer of the podcast Unorthodox about the peculiar nature of the word Jew, how it simultaneously describes a group of people and sounds like a slur. Even President Trump, rarely squeamish about language, avoids the label, as at last week's White House Hanukkah reception. All were stunned to find that for eight days, the lamp continued to burn brightly a sign of God's presence in his dwelling place and a symbol of the faith and resilience of the Jewish people. You do have faith and you do have resilience. When we spoke to Mark Oppenheimer, he said that most politicians go out of their way to avoid the word Jew. Yes, you can go back to Ronald Reagan and Obama as well. It's a bipartisan tick, which is that when they issue their Passover or sometimes it's a Passover and Easter proclamation, they send much, much love out to all of the Christians and then they send it to the Jewish people. So the Christians get their noun, but Jews are not Jews. They're Jewish people or Jewish families. So how then did Jew come to be perceived as a sticky wicket, even in ordinary speech? Well, 
it's not historically the term that Jews themselves have used. It is used. It's used in the Talmud, for example. But Jews historically have talked of themselves until the past couple centuries as Israelites or Hebrews, that sort of thing. And Jews was a word that was often used by other people to describe us. I'll speak of us because mm-hmm. I'm a Jew. Now, sometimes it was positive and sometimes it was neutral. But beginning in the 17th century, you see it creeping very much into what became modern English as a slur, as somebody who's rejected Christ or somebody who has congeries of, of negative attributes. But we can't say Hebrews and Israelites anymore. (laughs) Right. In the United States and in English, Israelite became problematic after 1948 because there actually was a country called Israel. So it became a weird thing to say. And Hebrew very much became the language Hebrew. So talking about people as Hebrews became strange. But of course, the 92nd Street Y in New York City, the great cultural center, is the Young Men's and Women's Hebrew Association. So it was only in the last century that we stopped saying Hebrews. Mm -hmm. But that did leave us with – A word gap. (laughs) Right. We have a word gap, which is that a couple of the words that we used to all feel comfortable with for a century or two now seem antiquated, so we can't use them. The natural word that describes this group of people we're talking about obviously is going to be something like Jew or Jewish. The problem is that the noun Jew or the three-letter word Jew, for one thing, it's been used as a very, very negative verb in English. So to Jew someone is to try to cheat them. So that's a negative connotation of the word. But also there is this problem that it is used as a slur, that to call someone a real Jew, for example, is negative. Since you've cued it, we have a piece of tape that illustrates this point. You at Grammy Hall would call a real Jew. Thank you. Annie Hall. Yeah, well, you know, she hates Jews. She thinks that they just make money. But let me tell you, I mean, she's the one. And is she ever? I'm telling you. <laughs> We know that if we do this thought experiment, someone in behind us in line at the supermarket uh, refers to someone. Let's make it a sweet, nice lady talking in a sweet voice, but she refers to someone, to the person she's standing next to or the person on her cell phone as a real Jew. We would all sort of tense up and think, what a slur. If that same person talked about someone as a real Christian, we would all think, Oh, a real Christian, <laughs> generous and kind. I mean, and this is true for all Americans and I would say Canadians and Brits as well, that a real Jew is a bad thing and a real Christian is a good thing. So when the real version of it is bad and negative, even the word itself to say I'm a Jew or a couple Jews moved in next door seems a little bit sinister even when it's a Jew doing the talking. As a matter of fact, in your op-ed, you cited a conversation you had with an editor following the uh, 2000 election. I was working at the Hartford Current, and I was writing a piece about how, according to the popular vote anyway, but for the Electoral College, the American people just elected a Jew, Senator Lieberman, as vice president. But come on, he was a big Jew. He was a big Jew. Lieberman's a huge Jew. This is this is part of his selling point, and it's partly why evangelical Christians loved him. You know, he wore his piety on his his right and left sleeves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it seemed to me a fairly safe thing to say, especially writing for the newspaper in Hartford, Connecticut, Lieberman's home state that always elected him resoundingly. And, hey, my byline – is Oppenheimer. I don't think anyone mistakes me for anything but a Jewish reporter. Mm -hmm. So it seems safe to say. The copy desk went ballistic and said, well, you can't say that we elected a Jew, Senator Lieberman, as vice president. They wanted to say a Jewish vice president, Senator Lieberman, rather than a Jew. The copy editor was a Gentile, was a non-Jew. 
a super well-meaning guy who just didn't want me or the newspaper to sound anti-Semitic. But I got my, my hackles up. I said, he is a Jew. Why is that a negative thing? I, of course, was being a bit precious. We all know that for a lot of readers, to call someone a Jew does feel negative. And that's for Jewish readers as well as Christian readers. Right, because people don't want to be reduced to a single factor. And if you're secular, whether you're Jewish or Christian or Muslim, you don't want to be identified by your religion. Well, first of all, I think that even irreligious Jews are still Jews. If someone says, what are you, right? They notice your last name, not a last name that's been changed somewhere along the way like Gladstone, but a last name like (laughs) – You mean made up in steerage? (laughs) Yeah, made up in steerage, but a last name like Oppenheimer that's Mm -hmm. been Jewy for, you know, hundreds of years now. (laughs) And they say, you know, what are you? And we know what they're asking, right? Mm -hmm. I just think there's something great about being able to say, I'm a Jew. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I don't think it necessarily implies a high level of religious observance. I think you make your decision for yourself. But my point is there's nothing negative about any right. of this. I feel like some part of you is still saying, if I say I'm a Jew, people will make incorrect assumptions about me. I don't know. I, I would have to dig into my psyche to know if that's true. Really, I was urging writers, especially Jewish writers and Jewish politicians and Jewish entertainers, people who, who have a public persona – to not be afraid of the noun. All over Twitter, there are Christian athletes as well as TV stars as well as animal trainers. In that little bio you get on your homepage, they will often say, you know, I'm a father, I'm a lion tamer, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. And it's lovely that they feel that sort of ownership over that piece of their identity, not their whole identity. But my assumption is that if they list it among their defining qualities, and they are practicing Christians. First of all, I think that's wrong. I think that's a misunderstanding of the Christian world. They might just be saying it's exceedingly central to who I am. But again, they'll list it as one of five or ten things. It's so characteristic of American Jews who are so worried about anti-Semitism and do have this tendency to want to keep our heads down. We're afraid to list Jew even as among our top five or ten characteristics. And when we do list it, it has to be, well, Jewish, not I'm a Jew. But I think that you're being, frankly, presumptuous. I'm neither fearful of the term nor, you know, desirous of keeping my head down. God knows. I just (laughs) – I don't endorse religiosity of any kind. I don't think the word has anything to do with religiosity. And historically, it doesn't. If you're talking to someone on the show and you want to talk about, you know, something that Larry David has just produced or something that Bernie Sanders has just said and you say, well, so-and-so who, of course, is Jewish, if saying he's a Jew would be presumptuous and say too much, what does Jewish say? See, I think it says he's ancestrally Jewish. I think that's all we presume about Bernie Sanders, right? We're not presuming anything about his prayer life or his belief in God or whatever. All I'm saying is that saying that you're a Jew makes the same claim about heritage, but it does it in a way that I feel is a little bit prouder. I was saying there's no reason to avoid, as the presidents have in these proclamations, Jews as a noun. That's a perfect way to end, but I have to (laughs) raise an issue with you that my co-host Bob Garfield raised during our editorial meeting. He says that when a non-Jewish person refers to Jewish people or someone as Jewish rather than as a Jew, he thinks that that's a sign of Jewish discomfort. If they use Jewish. Yeah. 
I recognize that all of us, Jew and non-Jew alike, have a lot of trouble talking about Jews in English. There is no word that is unloaded. Indeed, one rabbi I know said, we'll know that anti-Semitism has fully ended when nobody pauses for even a microsecond to think about how to talk about Jews. That's really true. I'm not immune. As a writer, I often think, do I say that someone is, comma, a Jew, or do I say, who is Jewish? This is a really tough question. And I don't presume that I have an answer for how well-meaning Gentile writers can handle this. I only think that myself, I can be proud about using the word Jew. Language changes very fast. You know, if we think about how recently it was that queer was an entirely negative term, and now it's mostly a positive term used by gay people. If we think about how quickly the euphemism treadmill changes for black people from Negro to colored to black to African-American to of color, and now black is actually coming back, the linguists are Mm -hmm. saying. So language is incredibly quickly mutating. And I think it would be not so difficult a project for us to say that it's okay for Jews to be Jews. Okay, so now we return to the Kayla Moore moment on Monday, her enthusiastic enunciation of the word Jew. Mark, (laughs) I understand you saw your social media explode with condemnations of Kayla Moore's speech. The podcast Unorthodox has a Facebook page of about 1,200 of our most devoted listeners, and it includes a lot of Gentiles. But I think it was a pretty Jewish community responding to Kayla Moore. There was something about her saying, our attorney's a Jew, that was both uh, horrifying and also hilarious. I think that the people I was in touch with were delighted because it was such a perfect caricature of somebody who doesn't get Jews trying to say, I get Jews. But the she way gets that she you, said it. doesn't she? She used well, so the word <laughs> Jew. So are you reconsidering your stance? Right. The, the piece I wrote that we talked about was arguing, I think, for two things. One, above all, for Jews to claim the noun Jew with pride. In other words, to say we are Jews, not we're Jewish people or Jewish Americans or we are Jewish, but to say we're Jews. That was number one. Number two was saying that in neutral or pleasing public declarations, such as a president wishing people a happy Passover, there's no harm in saying, I wish Jews in America a happy Passover, the way that the president always wishes Christians a happy Easter. Mm -hmm. It was in those neutral or affirmative or positive cases. I had not envisioned Kayla Moore defending her husband against charges of anti-Semitism after he said George Soros was going to hell. (laughs) Uh, Let's play that tape. Roy Moore lambasted the liberal Jewish philanthropist George Soros on a conservative radio station. No matter how much money he's got, he's still going to the same place that people who don't recognize God and morality and accept his salvation are going. And that's not a good place. George Soros is well known, especially in right wing and conspiratorial circles, as a liberal Jew. When you say not accepting God's salvation, what you're saying is non-Christians are going to hell. And so for her to defend her husband against charges of anti-Semitism by saying, in effect, one of our employees is a Jew, we have a Jew lawyer, basically, uh, definitely was not what I had in mind. <laughs> I remember when Larry David found out that his lawyer wasn't really Jewish. Oh, I'm not. I'm not Jewish. Oh, you're not. Did you think I was Jewish? <laughs> yes, I did. And you did nothing to perpetuate that, did you? Well, I'm I'm not sure what you mean. Oh, how about on my birthday? Mazel tov, Larry. Well, you're Jewish. Yeah. Respectful. On the high holy days, I said, hey, you going to Templeburg? And you went, no. 
Right, because I'm, I'm not Jewish, so yeah. why would I go to temple? <laughs> right, like, I'm a Jew, but not a practicing Jew. Oi, Larry with this. Oi, again, see? It's an expression. There's another, it's an expression. It's an expression that what people use. What is this use? thing? A shofar. Why is this on your desk? People give me gifts. They'll give me, like, that for my desk or the mezuzah that's on the door. What are you, by the way? Well, I'm Swedish. I got a Swede lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> right, this is a meme in culture. There's actually a terrific clip on YouTube that pieces together about a dozen different hip-hop artists, almost all of them, or all of them African-American, talking about their Jew lawyers in their rhymes. Black's got a bad crease. I'm with a bad piece. On my side, Jewish lawyer with the hair piece. Some think I'm strange. I thought you knew. Some try to sue lawyers a Jew. Jew. Publicist too. But who are you? One day you hot. The next day you not. Spoke about it with a lawyer who was Jewish. Repeat offender. I need a baker playing in the whip as they pull me over my sweet surrender. I got a Jewish lawyer as my lead defender. A Mitch kite as they say he's a legal bender. One of the rappers, by the way, is Drake, who himself is Jewish. But even he, in an early song, talked about having a Jew lawyer. So there is this theme that you really want a good Jew lawyer. And for Kayla Moore to step right into that, whether or not she was aware of that stereotype, was an extraordinary moment that I had not anticipated. Do you think the problem stems from how long you stretch out the diphthong. I mean, Jew is E-U, basically E-U. It's a diphthong, Jew. But if you say it short, Jew, it sounds somehow less slurry than if you say (laughs) Jew. I think that's a shrewd insight, uh, Brooke, but it sounds less slurry, although I'd point out it then, when it's shorter, functions better as the verb to do someone down or to bargain aggressively. It also functions better in the second person. I also don't want to insinuate that coming out of a Southerner's mouth, because that Southern drawl that Kayla Moore has is a drawl that extends the diphthong, that somehow it's more offensive. What was really offensive here was the context. There were all sorts of contextual clues that said she's not really close to Jewish people. She doesn't really get Jews. She's just claiming that one of her best friends is a Jew, so to speak. Didn't she say that she has fellowship with rabbis? So this was a terrific moment. And in some ways, it's the key to the whole thing. What she said is, We have very close friends that are Jewish and rabbis, and we also fellowship with them. This is a very Christian term. In evangelical circles, to fellowship as a verb in particular is to spend meaningful time with, often in a Christian context. So going to a football game with someone is not really fellowshipping with them, but having a meal or praying with them or spending time in a book club could be fellowshipping. So what she was doing was saying, look, it's not just that I know Jews, I hang out closely with them. The irony, of course, is if you really know Jews, you know fellowship as a verb is the most evangelical non-Jewish thing you could possibly say. Well... Since we're celebrating and writing about the holidays, we have to ask, how do we spell Hanukkah? Oh, well, Kayla Moore and the Jews is an easy question compared to this one. <laughs> In Hebrew, Hanukkah is spelled with a chet, which has a little ch at the beginning, the ch that you'll hear in challah bread or chutzpah. Mm-hmm. So spelling it with just an H is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I side with spelling it with just an H at the beginning and then one N, two Ks, and an H at the end, so Hanukkah. When people spell it with a CH, Hanukkah, the style is that you leave in only one N, one K, and then an H at the end. 
there's actually a movement afoot since we're in a Yiddish renaissance to spell it with a (laughs) K-H and a K later in it because that was the Yiddish American orthography. Nobody has a good answer for this. There's absolutely no way to get the chet across in English, but I'm going to tell people to go with the flow. I think that an H, one N, and two Ks is winning. You sound like you're an assimilated Jew. I sound like such a sellout, I know. (laughs) Look, will you join me in going back to KH when Pete Seeger, not a Jew, recorded uh, the great Jewish Hanukkah song, Hanukkah, O Hanukkah. In the liner notes, it said Hanukkah, Oi Hanukkah, with a K and an H. Mm -hmm. It's so old school, it's new school. (laughs) Mark, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Mark Oppenheimer teaches journalism and English at Yale and is the host of the podcast Unorthodox. And happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas while we're at it. Hanukkah Sameach. We can get into it because... Mark Oppenheimer has more to say about Kayla Moore's use of Jew on this week's episode of his podcast, Unorthodox. All right, our thanks to Brooke Gladstone and Sarah and Micah and the whole gang at WNYC for letting us share that with you. Uh, Three more things. First of all, um, I just wanted to tell you that big, big, big news in unorthodox land, we are now going to be taking letters by phone. In other words, we'll be taking voicemail messages and playing them on the show. Uh, we have a, a dedicated number where you can leave voicemail messages. It's 914-570-4869. Again, 914-570-4869. Maybe keep the messages between 10 and 30 seconds and um, leave your name and your hometown at the beginning. You know, this is Mark calling from New Haven. And I just wanted to say on that last episode, yada, yada, yada. If it's business-oriented stuff, like subscribing to the newsletter or suggesting guests for us, use the email account, unorthodox at tabletmag.com. But for stuff that's worth playing on the show, use 914-570-4869. And then, listen, um, if every person listening to this right now gave us $10, we would be able to hire another full-time employee next year uh, with benefits, and make the show even better. So go to go to tabletmag.com and click on donate and uh, give us a few last tax deductible bucks before the Gentile New Year is ushered in. Finally, happy Hanukkah and thank you all for making this show possible. We'll see you on your podcast app, on our Facebook page, in our newsletter, uh, wherever you find us. We are so glad that you're part of the J Crew. straight while they're here. One of our attorneys is a Jew. One of our attorneys... Now, when you say he's a very Jewish guy, what do you mean by that? One of our attorneys... You say some of your best friends. Yeah, no, no, no. That came out kind of bad. I, I'm not disgusted by the Jewish part. We're going to make damaging remarks about candidate Roy Moore 
for a reward of between five thousand to seven thousand dollars. It's the it's the lying part that I was talking about. This dirty liar is a Jew. Wish man. Say the whole word. We have very close friends that are Jewish and rabbis, and we also fellowship with. 